Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, methylphenidates, amphetamines, and non-stimulants. Uh, and with us in our virtual studio is uh, Dr. Uh, Parcells. Uh, we're going to get into our topic. It's a great interview, I might add, uh, t- tonight. Before we get into it real quickly, our program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And in celebration of that event, we are anxious to give away f- uh, digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll share a secret word a couple times through the show. Write that word down. And listen to another show. When you got two secret words, email me those words. Uh, my email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com, and we will get your email off to Chad, and they will get you a, a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and we will get you uh, a copy of the next edition when it's printed. Chad is here. We have a tip that we're going to run, and uh, we'll get into the show. Do you have questions about managing ADHD? Do you need to find a doctor to diagnose or treat ADHD? Or are you looking for a therapist or an ADHD coach? How about support groups? Chad's National Resource Center on ADHD has health information specialists who can provide you with helpful resources. Call 1-866-200-8098, Monday through Friday, 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, we are here with uh, Dr. Carolyn Parcells um, for tonight's show. She's a board-certified pediatrician and owner and the president of Girls to Women, uh, Young Men Health and Wellness Fort Worth, uh, a multifaceted clinic dedicated to meeting the physical and emotional needs of adolescents and young adults. She holds uh, academic appointments as assistant professor of pediatrics at TCU and UNTHSC School of Medicine, and as an adjunct uh, assistant professor at A&M Health Science Center. As a physician with ADHD herself, she has a special interest in caring for patients with ADHD and learning issues. She regularly speaks to patients, students, and professional audiences on subjects such as parenting, ADHD, resilience, depression, anxiety, stress, sexuality, and adolescent development. For more information, go to her website at gtw.health.com. With that, Dr. Purcells, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled that you came on uh, our show. I've been doing this show for over 10 years, and we've done lots of uh, shows about medications. But one of the things that we've never done is we've never talked about the medications, particularly uh, stimulants, the different families and kind of what they do uh, specifically. And I think it's real important because I know when I'm coaching people, I get a lot of people that kind of come in and they say, you know, I took the medications and they didn't work or they had a bad experience. And I encourage the people like, listen, getting the right dose and the right amount at the right time is, is, is an art form. It's not not like take two pills and call me in the morning. And it's real important to be able to communicate with your mental health professional to help them help you get that stuff right. And by understanding these medications and what they're supposed to do, I'm hoping that some of our people can articulate that a little bit better. So I'm going to start off on the stimulant sides. Can you talk about there's two classification of stimulants. Can you tell us about them? Correct. Sure. So there's two families, as I kind of like to call them. There's the methylphenidate and there's the amphetamines. The methylphenidates are things like Ritalin, 
Concerta, Focalin, Datrana, Metadate, etc. Okay. And then the amphetamines are ones like Adderall, Vyvanse. There's some newer ones in that class like Avicio, um, Dynavel is a liquid formulation of that one. Several different names in both categories. The methylphenidates, um, what's interesting is, is that methylphenidates, for example, those are all of those medicines are still methylphenidates. Okay, it's still the same molecule. The exception to that rule is the focalin. Focalin is what we call dexmethylphenidate, okay? And basically what that means is that um, when a medicine is in kind of this formulation, there's actually mirror image molecules. We kind of refer to them as the levo or the left-handed molecule, molecule and the dex or the right-handed molecule. So in all the other formulations, they have both. And in the focalin, it's just the dexmethylphenidate. When we talk about the amphetamines, there's a similar situation there. Vyvanse is Liz Dex amphetamine, okay, whereas the others are various mixtures of the amphetamine molecules, okay? Okay. Big dif the, the main difference between the methylphenidates and the amphetamines is that the methylphenidates, both classes of medicines, the, the primary way in which we believe they work is by increasing available dopamine in the brain. So dopamine is one of the main neurotransmitters in our brain, and it's one of the things that we think is kind of one of the big culprits in ADHD. And your brain needs that neurotransmitter for the, the brain cells to communicate effectively. So with the methylphenidates, they increase dopamine by blocking reuptake of dopamine. So basically the dopamine that your brain is making the methylphenidate keeps it from being taken back up by the cells and processed out of the system, essentially letting it do its job for longer. The amphetamines trigger the, the brain cells to release more dopamine. So if I may, I would like to run like a kind of a oversimplified model that I, I do with clients to kind of help them maybe understand this a little bit. Now, I'm very interested in your thoughts on this. So I just whenever I'm with clients, I say, you know, I'm holding out a pen and imagine that's a neuron. And believe it or not, when one of these guys gets excited, it fires an electrical charge that travels down the neuron like a wave of electricity. And I talk about the brain being a low voltage electrical system. When yeah. it gets to the end, in order for that electricity to jump, the synaptic gap, and that's the space between two neurons, neurotransmitters are spraying into the gap, kind of like hairspray. And when that happens, the electricity jumps from one neuron to the next and cascades through the attention network and manifests as a thought of feeling, a behavior, whatever. Once that's done, the receiving neuron sucks in those neurotransmitters. And I talk about like the releasing and the sucking back in of neurotransmitters is what it's at issue. And then I kind of talk about, you know, have you ever heard of SSRI drugs? Those are select serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and they inhibit the reuptake of serotonin to stave off depression. And when I'm talking to people, I kind of like uh, norepinephrine is important for ADHD, and we'll probably talk about that more on the non-stimulants, mm -hmm. but I talk yep. about dopamine being the reward neurotransmitter. And it's very important, the evolution of human beings, because it's the reason we procreate. It's the reason we forage for food. It's the, it's the, it's the feel-good neurotransmitter. It's not like <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's yes. a booyah. That's that's what it feels like. It's that yep. rush. And people with ADHD, I oversimplify this, but to try to put it into a context to really get them to take serious, it's like you have a dopamine addiction because um, caffeine or uh, uh, cocaine, uh, nicotine, alcohol, gambling, all that releases dopamine. We did an interview years ago with Dr. Kenneth Bloom, and I said, Dr. Bloom, are we addicted mm -hmm. to drugs or are we addicted to dopamine? He said, wow, we're actually addicted to dopamine. Everything that we're addicted sure. to actually increases the release of it. So in that context, amphetamines are increasing the release of dopamine, and the methylphenidates is an inhibitate the reuptake. And the idea is the more dopamine that's in that synaptic gap, the more reward, and what it does enables us to sustain focus longer on things we wouldn't ordinarily pay attention to. Is that, that Am I misrepresenting that, or is that too simplified? Um, I think so. So definitely like your your – the, the image that you gave of like the pen and the, the, the way a neuron uh, sends mm -hmm. signals, I think is, is quite accurate. The, the thing with ADHD is this, I, I, first of all, I just want to be clear that what we're saying here, just to make sure people don't misunderstand is we're not saying that these medications are addictive, right? In fact, exactly yes. the opposite. Okay. Yes. Um, and, but, but what it, the way I like to describe it, um, mm -hmm. which is similar, but, 
is that we, our attention, and thus our dopamine, is not on a dimmer switch like everybody else. It's an on-off switch. Mm -hmm. We're all or nothing, right? And so for us, it does appear that we need um, possibly even higher levels of dopamine than other people need to kind of flip that switch and to get us where we need to be to have that focus and that attention and to have those signals flow the way they need to. So in that regard, sort of, yes. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So for everybody, um, she brought up addiction. I frame out dopamine addiction like kind of just as if to say, hey, we're, it's hard. Because if, as I describe it, people with ADHD, it's really an issue of self-regulation, which really dovetails into yeah. Dr. Barkley's issue. And so the issue is yeah. that you have a hard time engaging your attention when you don't get any dopamine, and you have a hard time disengaging your attention when you do. So you actually have a hard Correct. time stopping. Yes. And it's helpful. Exactly. it's helpful to look at like that because then you can see what people pay attention to. And it's not all bad. Sometimes I've got some, I, mean, I have a lot of clients that are addicted to learning. I mean, they can't stop when they get into it. And if channeled right, it's, it's very positive, but they can have a hard time stopping learning or whatever. To your point though, right. well, that's we did a show. Focus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And before I forget to, to your point, we did a show with Dr. Anthony Rostain years ago. And if you just Google attention, talk radio, Rostain, believe me, it took me a long time to find somebody who would come on, but he, we talk about, uh, stimulant medications uh, are they abused are they can you become dependent and are, uh, are they sure. addictive and for that information i encourage everybody to go listen to the show because he did a really good job of kind of breaking that down but awesome. coming back to where we are is you you have yeah. these two different molecules fundamentally and one is increasing the release of dopamine and the other one is inhibiting the reuptake again at the end we have dopamine in that gap a little bit longer and that helps us sustain focus and so i have a lot of people sometimes saying I don't know if it's working, and I say, if you could only read four chapters of a book, excuse me, four pages of a book, and now you can read four chapters, it's working because in that situation, you're sustaining <laughs> focus longer. Exactly. Thoughts on that? Exactly. Um, so, right. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's really interesting when we're starting medicine and titrating medicine is, to your point, what is optimal, right? We, the, way, the phrasing we use in, in medicine is optimal management, right? Well, how do we yep. know when it's optimal? Because we're comparing to the only thing we know, which is ADHD without medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that can be kind of tricky to figure out, is it working and is it working sufficiently? And so sometimes we have to, as a physician, I'll ask a lot of different questions and a lot of different ways to kind of try to tease that out. And when I have patients that tell me, well, I don't know if it's working or I can't feel it, one of the first things I say is, well, the good news is then you're not having side effects. So yay yep. to that, right? And now let's talk about what, if anything, you're noticing to see if we are having some effect and if that effect is optimal. The other thing, too, to that point is that a lot of us who do manage ADHD medications will use various screening forms like the ASRS um, is an adult rating form, the Vanderbilt or the Connors are, are rating forms for kiddos that we'll use to kind of try to make what's, what's really very subjective at least somewhat objective so that we can kind of track those symptoms and see are we seeing improvement, are we yep. getting to the point where we need to get to. Um, and, you know, it does take one of the big things I always try to, to really set expectations when we're starting medicines is that, Different people respond differently to these medicines, and we don't have – I always tell them my, my magic eight ball is in the shop. <laughs> so we honestly just have to try. And if something doesn't work, we want to titrate, meaning go up on the dose until we get to the point where either we hit side effects that aren't tolerable or we're like, you know what, we've maxed this one out and we're not getting where we need to go. And then we try something else and we just keep doing that till we find the right. Yep. The good news is we've got a bunch of options. The bad news is we've got a bunch of options, <laughs> you know, um, so, and, and if it's taking a long time to find the right thing, that can get frustrating for people. You know, it, it can for sure. It is. So I will, let's go to break because I want to kind of continue this conversation a little bit more detail. I encourage you to go talk, talk, check out Dr. Purcell's website at gtw-health.com. Again, that's gtw-health.com. Our secret word tonight is ADHD meds, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio.
Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer. Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents. And Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini course on developing social skills for children. Playbetterplan.com. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change the lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Parcells, who uh, I knew she was going to knock this off the cover because we're going to take these medications and kind of help you understand them. And before the break, we were talking about the two families of stimulants. And so at the end of the day, I I like to simplify this because there's lots of stuff out there, but we kind of basically have two different molecules. One is in one family and one is in the other. And so they're, they're kind of, their stimulants, they're kind of getting to dopamine, but they're doing it in two different ways. Is, Is that way oversimplified or is that close enough for us to just to kind of no no i think that's yeah i think i think that's actually really well said um because they kind of like you said they do essentially they do a very similar thing but in a different way and so that's why you know for some people one class of medicines works best and for other people the other class works better so one of the things that you were talking about and that i want to kind of highlight and from other professionals we've learned is that when you take the medication as dr parker says it's got to go through the body in order to get to the mind and as it travels through the body yes. your digestive tract can have an impact on it your liver function have an impact on it your metabolism can have an impact and those three variables probably plus some more like maybe um other type of minerals can impact that. And so part of the issue is not just getting the right medication, but also understanding how those impact it. I, I think we talked to Dr. Charles Parker years ago, and he, you know, you, you eat a can of corn and you notice how long it takes for the corn to come out the other side. It goes from the mouth to the <laughs> south. And if, you're, if your digestive system is backed up and it's not coming out for a couple of days, that has an impact on your meds or if it's going too fast. Um, I know I'm kind of blowing through that stuff, but I'm trying to give everybody a sense of this as you've no, got the different classifications. But yeah. these are the types of things as a physician that you can't measure and stuff, and yeah. that's why this is an art form, right? Exactly, exactly. And I actually, I'm so glad you put it that way because that's actually how I phrase it to my patients is I say, look, this is where the science and the art come together. Um, and to that point, that's one of the other things that can be really challenging for folks is not only figuring out which class of medication works best for them and is best tolerated for them, but one of the big things is you mentioned metabolism. And when we talk about metabolism with the stimulant medications, we're referring to not your food metabolism, but how your liver processes these medications. And people can be a slow metabolizer, an average metabolizer, or a fast metabolizer. And what that means is, you know, if we take, for example, Concerta as an example, Concerta for an average metabolizer should last around 10 to 12 hours. If they're a fast metabolizer, meaning their, pro- their liver processes the medicine faster than expected, it might last four hours or six hours or eight hours. If you're a slow metabolizer, it might last 16 hours, 20 hours. Who knows? Um, and so that can definitely affect how that medicine affects you. So, for example, if I start somebody on Concerta and it turns out they're a slow metabolizer, that might be the person who can't get to sleep at night right? Or Mm -hmm. if it's on the opposite, if they're a fast metabolizer, that's going to be the kid who's like, well, it works great until lunch, but now, eh, right? And there are different, the, the, the different formulations of these medicines can really make a huge difference as to how well they work for somebody, but also interestingly, how well tolerated they are, even though it's the same molecule, okay? 
and in part because of these factors that we're talking about. So, you know, if I have a kiddo who the the concert is lasting too long, I might try Metadate because Metadate CD on average lasts about six to eight hours. But in that kiddo might actually give them the 10 to 12 hours they need, but not so much that they can't get to sleep, you know? So that's one of the things that we really look at with these medicines. So we've got just – I'm kind of like a big picture, like we frame this out. So we have the two different molecules. Yeah. Within those different molecules, we have different brand names that are out there, uh, different types of things. And we have the, the delivery systems. It's either um, immediate release, extended release, yep. and variety of different forms. So you have the, the, the different molecules. You have the different durations, but you have the individual body that's coming in here, a fast metabolizer, slow metabolizer. And that's why it's really, really important exactly. that you understand these drugs. And like if you're – the rebound effect we talk about is if you're taking maybe fast acting, it should be four hours, and after it wears off, there's a rebound effect, or maybe you're feeling agitated. To be able to come in and say, I'm feeling that at three hours or seven hours can help somebody like you adjust the medication cocktail, if you will, because it's all about the right medication at the right duration right. at the right, right. time to, now, to level yeah. that stuff out. And again, Exactly. I, I love in this conversation because we're talking about these variables, and that's why it's so important that the, the patient understand what's going on so they can explain it to you so that you have the data to make the adjustment. Make sense? Exactly. And, and actually, because you brought up an interesting point there, that kind of rebound effect you were talking about, we actually mm-hmm. primarily see that. That's one of the few side effects that we actually see more in the long-acting formulations than we do in the short-acting formulations. Again, more data that's important. Exactly. Um, I had heard this, and I don't know, this is a really ignorant question, but I've heard, like years ago, doctors would start on, it was a, a, a coin toss, a methylphenidate or amphetamine, but I've heard <laughs> right. more and more that, that, that Ritalin seems to work, be more effective at younger ages, and or Ritalin, um, the methylphenidate, maybe older and moose right. amphetamines. Have you, have you noticed any of that, or is that just wives' tale? Sure. So, so, there's, so there's efficacy, but there's also tolerability. Okay, so right now the AA for just for example the AAP recommendations um, for kids diagnosed with ADHD six and older, um, or actually excuse me, let me rephrase that for four to six years of age, we actually recommend um, parent behavioral training and classroom interventions first before medicine. But in that age group and the younger ones, if medicine is needed, the recommendation is methylphenidate first. Um, because it's more tolerated in the younger kids. In my personal experience and in what I've seen in the data and just talking to other folks who do this, in general, I find the methylphenidates to be better tolerated in the younger ages, significantly better tolerated, Um, especially in kind of your elementary school age kids. Honestly, for me, that's kind of my go-to unless I have a significant family history or personal history for the patient to guide me otherwise, that's still kind of where I start, even for my teenagers and young adults, again, from a tolerability standpoint. The amphetamines have a little bit higher risk of irritability, anxiety, decreased appetite, weight loss, than do the methylphenidates. In my personal experience, and again, this is Dr. Parcell's experience, yep. not necessarily yep. you know, epidemiologic data, but what I find is um, hormones involved in puberty – Okay, testosterone and amphetamine, oftentimes, at least in my personal experience, don't mix very well. Okay, <laughs> um, my kiddos, they just doesn't. Um, my kiddos who have anxiety, I have found in my experience, tend to not tolerate focalin or dexmethylphenidate or the amphetamines, and particularly Vyvanse, dexamphetamine, as well as the methylphenidate. Now, there's exceptions. Do I have adolescent males on Vyvanse who are rocking it out? Absolutely. Do I have kids with you know, weight gain issues or appetite issues and anxiety who are rocking it on Vyvanse? Sure, of course. Um, You know, there's always exceptions to the rule, but if I have to pick a starting point and I have limited data from the family or from the patient's perspective to go with, I'm often going to start with the methylphenidate for exactly those reasons. And clearly Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one that's seeing that, hence why you brought it up. Um, yes. Now, what's interesting is, for the, so you mentioned the older folks. So I do see, I don't take care of, um, the age range I take care of is ages uh, really 6 to 25. Um, mm-hmm. So I do see young adults, but I don't see older adults. 
I, from talking with my colleagues who take care of adults, I do, and just from what I've seen, I, it does appear that adults may respond better to amphetamines. But with that said, there's still plenty of adults who respond well to the methylphenidate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to take into consideration, there's, you have to take into, and, excuse me, you have to take into consideration age, um, other possible conditions like depression, anxiety, OCD, other medical conditions. Um, and we take, we take all of those things into consideration yep. when we choose a first medication. But even with that, like I said, it's still kind of magic eight ball time and you just got to try it and see well, and adjust as you go. Yeah, so you teed this up perfectly because, again, we're just talking about stimulus. You have the two classifications. You have the different durations that's going on. We've talked about the body and stuff like that. But, you know, it depends on who you talk to. But my general understanding is about 60% of the time when you have ADHD, you've also got something else, learning disability, dyslexia, anxiety, OCD, et cetera. (laughs) And that stuff has an impact on this stuff too because – the medications exactly. don't affect everybody the same way. Plus you have different conditions in there. I, I, by the way, if you're listening to this, I hope you're starting to understand the complexity of this. You're also begin to, as I described, I hated word problems in, in um, school because mm-hmm. word problem is right. First of all, you got to understand what you're trying to solve. And then you got to go look for the right. relevant and non-relevant tangible, <laughs> intangible yep. variables and sequence those into an equation to solve. And as we can see, we've got lots of variables that Dr. Parcells and other physicians are having to do. At the end of the day, you know, math is not a spectator sport. You have to practice. And that's why people like Parcells are so <laughs> like good as they practice these word problems and can get it right. And, and you, if you're somebody who's going to see somebody like her, the more you can articulate your experience, the easier it is for her to identify those variables yeah. to just that cocktail to dial it in right. Because, for a lot of people, not everybody, if you can get it dialed in, it can be a huge um, um, uh, improvement in, in lifestyle. And I say in lifestyle because I think you, you and I agree that ADHD is not just for school or work. It's 24-7. And so, again, the importance exactly. here is really to get this right. So, uh, Absolutely. Need- no, you're absolutely right. And that is actually one of the things, too, when I'm, when I'm talking to my patients um, and or their families about the medication, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is that the recommendation is to take the medicine every day. And when they look at me kind of funny, I'm like, this is not just a school disorder, okay? This is a life issue, right? Yes. This is our social skills. It is our, um, you know, how we manage things at home, how we manage our relationships at home, as well as how we learn at school and how we learn in the world at large. Absolutely. Um, I want to go to break. Coming back, I want to talk about non-stimulants. But before we do, I, I, I have another show I did with Rick Green um, of Totally ADD on this. And, I, I, again, we can, you can go listen to that show in detail. But one of the things that I think is important is there are potential long-term effects for, for taking stimulant medications. But there are also long-term effects potentially of not taking stimulant medications. And so a lot of people, we don't like to take meds if we don't have to, but at the same time, sometimes not taking them if you have ADHD can have some long-term implications. Like, for example, everyone's arguing and dull it who was, as a kid, stop doing that, blah, blah. Their self-esteem is is horrible because they've been told they've been wrong the rest of their life. And so do you want to just, just thoughts on that real quick before we go to break? Yeah, no, and I actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because I tell people too, there, there are side of, there are potential side effects to medication, but there's also absolutely side effects to not taking medication. And we know that folks with ADHD who are not treated or suboptimally treated have increased risks of anxiety, depression, addiction, school failure, relationship failure. And I think, you know, optimally treating our ADHD, whatever that may mean for us as an individual, um, and of course that includes things other than just medication, is absolutely critical. And us advocating for ourselves and asking for what we need and understanding what we need is absolutely critical to treating our ADHD and living our best life. So everybody, with that, we're going to run to commercial break you got to be a fan of Dr. Parcells as I am right now. you got to check out our website at gtw-health.com. Again, gtw-health.com. Our uh, secret word tonight is ADHD meds. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. 
Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation with Dr. Parcells unpacking ADHD meds to really kind of understand them a bit. We've been talking a lot about the stimulant medications. The one thing I want to reiterate just before we move on is um, we've been using stimulant medications, I think, since back in 1937. And, um, Correct. I've heard from a couple different people, if if used properly under the the guidance of a physician, they're very, very safe. But the thing about it is they're very abused. They're very abused. And there's a lot of right. people taking them for other reasons, and it gets a bad rap. The press has a tendency to do a lot of exactly. demonizing of that. And yes. it, it is, Thank but you, you have to put in the context. You know, I mean, it's a performance-enhancing drug. Athletes take it. Students take it, et cetera. And when it's abused, like anything else, it's abused. And so I just – it's – it is a medication, just like anything else we have to be cautious with, yes. but there is a tendency of it to be demonized. It's an abused drug, but it just happens to be an ADD drug. And if you filter that, I think it's kind of important. So and you, a comment and on I that? Think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think there's, there's so many layers to this, okay? There mm-hmm. is – we do have to be careful about what we call diversion, which means these medications getting into the hands of people who either don't have ADHD or even for those who do have ADHD, misusing them, right? And they can be dangerous if used in that way. If they're used properly and under with the proper dosages, they are not addictive. And in fact, if anything, it, if we are treating our ADHD properly, we decrease our risk of addiction because of all the kind of dopamine stuff we were just talking about, right? Yes, yes. Um, and, but the other issue here is because they are misused, by some, um, because they are then demonized in the media, um, there is, I think that not only does that interfere with our ability to access our medication and access care, because for one, the, the, the medications, the amount of medication available is limited because it is a controlled substance. But then in addition to that, there's the barriers that oftentimes we feel like we run into with um, honestly feeling like we're getting questioned or doubted or accused, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's by medical professionals, pharmacists, family members, society members, what have you, there's that contributes to the shame. And I think any of us who are adults with ADHD know that shame and know that shame. Well, the last thing we need is more of it. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think that contributes to people's avoidance of treatment or avoidance of medication or in various ways basically just prevents people from getting optimal care for their ADHD or even seeking care in the first place mm-hmm. because they're worried about what people are going to think or if they're going to be able to find the right provider um, or if they're going to be questioned about it. Um, uh, Jessica McCabe um, who does How to ADHD, um, the, the YouTube series actually does a really beautiful, um, actually yep. several really beautiful pieces on it. Um, absolutely. And, yeah, it's it's a real challenge. And it's, it's absolutely a problem that has to be addressed and can't be ignored. Um, but it's definitely, unfortunately, also been dealt with in a way, like you said, in the media and in society in such a way that it is really detrimental to those of us who really do need the medicines and really do benefit from them. 
So really quickly for our listeners out there, if you Google Attention Talk Radio Diversion in the Real World, you'll have a show. I interviewed a college kid back in 2017. This is he came on anonymously. Oh, wonderful! And it's the, it's the story of a kid who, at college, he was on the medications, and and it's it's really interesting the insight of how, you know, when people are dealing cocaine, they're very secretive, but they're hey man, give me an Adderall, blah blah blah. But uh, he he unknowingly, exactly. it wasn't intentional, but he shows up at in his dorm one time and there's 15 DEA, FBI and, um, local police officers that take him in. And it's, it's his real story. It took him four years to, to get out of this. And, and you hear of all that kind of stuff. And so if, particularly if you're a parent and, um, you have a kid going off to college, I encourage you to listen to it because it's not you parent talking to the kid. It's a kid talking to other kids. So just you might want to check that out. So that's great. Don't mean to talk so fast, but I do want to cover the non-stimulant medications. This is a little bit more diverse here. Can you just kind of frame out the landscape of this for us first? Sure. So there are some non-stimulant medications that we use for ADHD. Um, there's a few different classes there. One of the main ones um, is what we call alpha-adrenergic agonists, and that's uh, clonidine and guanfazine are the generic names of those. Some people may have mm-hmm. heard of Intuniv or Capve. Um, Intuniv is the long-acting guanfazine, the trade name for that, and Capve is the long-acting clonidine, the trade name for that one. And then there's other medicines like there's Stratera, um, which is a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, and then some there's some antidepressants and other medications that are a little further down the line like Welbutrin um, and some other medicines as well. Um, the main ones, though, like I said, the, the alpha-adrenergic agonists are are really interesting, um, and they can be really helpful. Now, I think one of the main points to make for the non-stimulants overall is the non, none of the non-stimulant medications have been shown to be as effective on their own as a solo agent as have the stimulant medications. Okay, so I want to be clear on that. Mm-hmm. As a result... Most of the time, we are using non-stimulant medication either as an adjunct or in addition to a stimulant. If the stimulant alone is not getting us where we need to be or we can't reach the doses we need to reach because of side effects to get optimal management, or we're using, if we are using them as a solo agent, it's typically because there's either a contraindication, meaning a reason we can't use the stimulant medication, or somebody's tried many stimulants and they can't tolerate them for whatever reason, um, and that goes for pretty that goes for really all of the non-stimulant medication. Um, so with, with the alpha two anergenic, my notes it it's it's helpful for that fight flight or freeze response. So I'm kind of because we yes. I look at ADHD as an issue of self regulation. You got to regulate your um, attention and your mm-hmm. emotions. And there's definitely people that I coach where the attention is not the problem. It's the emotions that are kind of getting Correct. in the way. And and this seems Correct. to be like if this really were to help the emotional self regulation side for some, it could be very very helpful. Is that yes? Is that that's exactly right. And I'm yes. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So that's this is actually one of the reasons why the alpha adrenergics I think are honestly one of the the um additions to our toolbox for ADHD since stimulants. Um they really it, they're really an interesting class of med and you're exactly right. They help with that kind of flight freeze fight or flight response and the freeze as well. And it's interesting because technically speaking if you look up, you know, why do alpha adrenergics help with ADHD? It's we don't totally know because we're still working on that. However, it does make sense to me, and I think a lot of us who who work with folks with ADHD, because of exactly what you just said. What we know these medicines do, they're actually originally old school blood pressure medicines, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we know that they do is they inhibit sympathetic outflow, um, which is a really fancy word for they tamp down the sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight or flight response. And what do they do for ADHD? Well, the main things that these medicines can help with are impulsivity, hyperactivity, uh, irritability, sleep, and emotional regulation. Well, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, you know, so so yeah, they absolutely can. And and to that point, um, occasionally I will have a kiddo who, um, if, if truly the focus and attention are 
not significant issues, and it's really the impulsivity and hyperactivity, sometimes we will try the guantazine, mm-hmm. uh, the intuitive, as kind of a first line. Um, but that's kind of – those are few and far between. But they can be um, – they definitely can be a wonderful adjunct, especially for those kids or, you know, who really have the significant yep. impulsivity, hyperactivity, emotional regulation, or like I said, the stimulant's not quite getting them there. The yep. other place where, honestly, I found them to be helpful is my kiddos who have ADHD and anxiety, which is a lot of them. Uh-huh. Um, the research says about 30% of kids with ADHD have anxiety, about 50% of adults. But I'll be honest, for most of us who, again, work with a lot of ADHD patients, will tell you that's low. <laughs> that's low. <laughs> um, I think it's a lot more of us. Um, but, you know, one of the tricky things with the stimulant medication is if you have anxiety and you have ADHD, sometimes managing your ADHD, such as with a stimulant medication, helps the anxiety because we now have the impulse control to regulate that emotion and we're not getting as anxious because we're not as worried about how our ADHD is going to affect us on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. But for some folks, the stimulant medication can actually increase the anxiety or make them a little bit more edgy or um, just kind of rev up that fight or flight response. And in those kids, this is where one of the places I find the Intuniv to be really, really helpful because the Intuniv can help those folks sometimes tolerate the stimulant better. And also because the medicines work together, sometimes not need as high of a dose of the stimulant to reach optimal effect. So the two together can be a really wonderful combination, again, especially for those folks who really struggle with impulsivity, hyperactivity, or emotional regulation. Um, I think that can be a really, it's a really nice one. The other thing that's interesting, I think, about those medicines is like with the stimulants, you've got a short acting and a long acting. But in this case, the short acting, which is the clonidine and the guanfazine, um, we actually often use those at night to help mm-hmm. you sleep. Yep. Because, again, they hype with they help with that hyperarousal aspect of ADHD, which is what's keeping us up, right? I like to call it the ADHD brain spin because mm-hmm. it just don't our brains just don't stop. It yep. helps with that, and it can cause some sleepiness, which is why we tend not to use those as much during the day. The longer acting version doesn't cause quite as much sleepiness, but still helps with yep. those other things. So it's an interesting class in that regard as well. So. We've got that. Now, we're talking about Shatera, and it it inhibits Mm -hmm. the reuptake of norepinephrine. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yes. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about dopamine, right? And and we do think dopamine is is kind of the big goomba, if you will, when it comes to ADHD, but we also know that norepinephrine definitely plays a role as well. So the Stratera is, like you said, selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, meaning it blocks that the the cells from taking the norepinephrine back up and recycling it out. So just like the stimulants increase available dopamine, this increases available norepinephrine, um, which is just another one of those neurotransmitters that that our brains use to send signals between. Mm -hmm. Um, What's interesting about Stratera, so, you know, there's some positives. It's a non-stimulant. It works 24-7, so that's nice, unlike the stimulants. it, downsides, though, is it does take, excuse me, six to eight weeks to take full effect. Some studies will suggest even longer than that, which is really hard when you have ADHD to remember to take a medicine every day for that long before it helps you start to remember to take that medicine every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so compliance can definitely be an issue. Um, but the other issue with the Stratera is really more and more it we're seeing that it's just not – um, for most people, again, not everybody, it's just not being shown to be nearly as effective as the stimulants. Um, mm-hmm. And it does have some fair number of side effects that can go along with it as well. So, you know, now, if you have somebody, though, who, for example, again, can't tolerate a stimulant or has tried and, and or ha- can't take a stimulant for whatever reason, you know, it, it could be an option. But it's, I'll be perfectly honest, it's one that I'm using less and less. I find in my practice, I, I less and less. Ten years ago, people did it more, but more and more, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, it's a rarity at this point in time. Which leads yep. us to another another drug. I just want to touch base with on before we close this out, because I do get a lot of people, particularly women, that are on Wellbutrin for ADHD. Yeah. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Wellbutrin is an antidepressant, 
Um, and again, it works. It's it's not a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which is what I think a lot of people think about when they think of mm-hmm. the term antidepressant. So those are things like Prozac and Zoloft and Lexapro and Celexa. This is its its own kind of thing. And it, as far as we know, it works primarily on dopamine and probably norepinephrine as well. Um, and so, again, it kind of makes sense, right, that, that if it's affecting that same neurotransmitter, that it might have an effect on ADHD. And what we found is that it can, again, be helpful for ADHD, but just like with the other ones, not as effective as a stimulant. But if you have anxiety, if you have depression, excuse me, and ADHD, um, sometimes it can be a good adjunct, and sometimes it can be really helpful for depression in the setting of ADHD. The other thing, too, is, again, for people who maybe can't tolerate a stimulant or can't take a stimulant for whatever reason, um, it could be a worthwhile option of at least trying. Mm-hmm. It, like other antidepressants, though, it takes effect a little bit quicker than some of the other antidepressants, but it still takes four to six weeks for it to take full yep. effect. You do have to take it every single day. You know, there's so there's there's those aspects to it, too. On the other hand, it works 24-7, right? Yep. So that can be a positive as well. It, 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 it has been interesting to me, um, the number of I, – I, I coach mostly adults. And so the number of times I'll have particularly women that have been on Wellbutrin and they were diagnosed when they were younger with depression, not ADHD. They might present Correct. more like an attentive type. And we did a show with Dr. Yep. Patricia Quinn years ago, which was revolutionary, how ADHD presents different and women and girls, yeah. and so that's, that tends to happen a lot more, and then they get diagnosed later, which also I want to throw in there is earlier exactly. we were talking about hormones. It's not your age group, but uh, Linda Rogley is a peer of mine. She's the ADD diva, and she specializes in women because when they go through menopause, estrogen levels drop substantially, right. and there's a lot of women that get diagnosed with ADHD when they're going through that phase of life. They're high-functioning, and the OBGYNs don't know it, but the, the drop in the hormones can have an impact, or they'll say, my meds aren't working like they used to, and it's not right. the meds. It's Correct. cocktail because there's a lot going on. The, and, and what's and, interesting is, is I see changes, too, so on both ends of the spectrum, right, I, when kids go through puberty. That's mm-hmm. often when we see a change in either meds aren't working, we need to change classes, or we need a lower yep. dose, or we need a higher dose. So, so yeah, it can happen on both yep. ends of, of kind of the life cycle there, if you will. So I, I would love to keep going because this is such a great topic, but there's one little thing I want to just kind of touch base on. More and more I'm starting to hear about um, cannabis. And we are doing yeah. a separate show with Dr. Roberto Olivardia that I'm pretty sure is going oh, to air the week after this. And the one thing I encourage everybody to do that because the interview was great. Because number one, he talked about you know, the number of conditions that cannabis is approved to use medically is very finite, very small. And in that interview, right. we start to talk a lot about it's not what cannabis was happening when you're taking it's what's not going on and while it will relieve anxiety in the short term it actually increases anxiety over the long term and so there's a lot of people out there it's fashionable to look at cannabis as an alternative and if you are not educated on the topic in the short term it can feel temporarily like it's doing something but the literature is clear it doesn't have a direct impact on it and it can have some other long-term impacts and so it's not within this realm but a lot of people are using it and i encourage everybody to go listen to that afterwards because we spend a lot of time on that so um just a a few other fun facts before we go i've said this before is my understanding and adderall got its name because it's add for all and Vyvanse is named after Vivian Vance from the I Love Lucy show. Now, I've gotten I've, – I've heard that from a couple different places, but uh, it was fascinating to me that, that those are there. But so those are just fun facts. So, um, Dr. Parcell, before we wrap this up, any, any last yeah. – anything we missed or any last uh, insights to share? Um, I think the main thing, you know, we, we kind of touched on the whole aspect of, of shame and, and when it comes to medicine and treatment and stuff, and I think – you know, really, I think the biggest thing that I want I want people to understand and to take away is the medication process. Sometimes we hit the nail on the head right out of the gate, but oftentimes we don't. And finding a provider that you feel comfortable with and you trust and who you can talk to is so critical, but also being willing to work with them and give them, like you said, provide as much information for them as you can and know that this is going to be a process. Don't give up. Stick yes. with it try different medications, try different things, 
you know, before you give up on the medicine because it can take time. It can take a lot of trial and error. But when you get there, um, like you said, it can make a huge, huge difference. If there's anything uh, I hope people got is, is that you understand the landscape. You understand the complexities of this. You understand that it's an art. You understand that if you go to somebody like Dr. Parcell, who's really good at working these word problems, can get there a little bit quicker, but still a little bit of an art. And at the end of the day, I take high blood pressure medication and I take thyroid medication because I have a better quality of life. And when we take a look at these stimulant medications, I'm not pro-meds. But I am sitting there saying, you know, give it some time, get it to work, because if you can get it to work for you and there's a better quality of life, it's a better quality of life and something to consider. Exactly. At the same time, if you can do it with coaching or behavioral therapy and you can find and you do a diet or there's a lot of people that self-medicate with exercise, um, you know, those are really good forms. But the idea is to to get on the bandwagon and control it. And so with all that, you know, Dr. Purcells, I had seen you speak on this. I thought this would be a great show and it was spectacular. I, I, I cannot. No, oh, thank you. You. How much I appreciate you coming on. It's been very enlightening. I think really helpful for our viewers. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I hope so. Everybody, go check out our website at gtw-health.com. Again, gtw-health.com. Our secret word tonight is ADHD meds. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.